I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiber Fueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant You, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing, we're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. I still got to get the message out there. I still got to, people are struggling more now than ever. And so I feel like it's my duty to motivate and inspire and uplift people and let them know that it's going to be okay. We're stronger than we believe. Season three of the Plant Strong Podcast explores those Galileo moments where you seek to understand the real truth around your health and dare to see the world through a different lens. This season, we honor those courageous seekers who are paving the way for you and me. So grab your telescope, point it towards your future, and let's get Plant Strong together. It's always wonderful to catch up with friends and fellow Plant Strong powerhouses. And wouldn't you know it, a few weeks ago, I got word that Mr. Paul DeGelder, Mr. Sharkman, was passing through Austin, Texas. So I reached out, pinged him uh, to meet up, and we went to ATX Food Co. for some of their amazing tempeh barbecue briskets. And afterwards, I insisted that he come back to the Plant Strong World headquarters and be part of season three of the podcast. And as you'll soon understand, when Paul talks, you can't help but hang on to every last word. If you haven't already, be sure to go back to season one of the podcast and listen to my first conversation with Paul that is an absolute doozy. We have stayed in touch over the years, and um, it was it was fabulous to, to see him again and connect uh, because it had been way too long. So a little background on Paul. In 2009, he was a Royal Australian Navy clearance diver. And on a tr- simple like training exercise in Sydney Harbor, he was viciously attacked by a nine-foot bull shark. For the record, there had not been a shark attack 
in Sydney Harbor in over 61 years. Suffice it to say, he barely survived and lost both his right arm and leg in the process and came precariously close to dying, as you're going to hear him recount today. But here's the thing. Instead of anger or depression, Paul approached his recovery with his tried and true mantra, improvise, adapt, overcome. And he launched himself into a a new life centered on, of all things, shark conservation activism and a bold, plant-strong lifestyle. You've likely seen him as the popular host of Shark Week on the Discovery Channel, where he takes people like Will Smith and Mike Tyson down to play and pet the sharks. It's easy to be inspired by Paul. And as he says, once you get past the fear of dying, life becomes more refreshing and free. Let's welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Paul DeGelder. This is uh, this is quite a treat. Of random occurrence. Uh, yeah, and um, how did I even get here <laughs> from Australia? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Well, but, everyone says the Texans are probably the most similar to Australians. And, and why do you think that is? I have no idea. Maybe I guess friendly accents. I don't, I don't know, but friendly accents, big personalities, big personalities. Yeah. I, um, but I'm having a great time. It's a wonderful town. Yeah. So for, for just to kind of fill people in, Paul was on season one of the Plant Strong podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, you talked all about, we talked all about the, um, the shark attack. Mm-hmm. And if anybody wants to revisit that, I think it was episode five of, uh, of season one. Yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> well, I mean, it certainly has formed the trajectory of your life's path mm, absolutely. and and i would imagine in in some ways maybe this is not fair for me to say that um because of where you are now it's probably been a great a great thing that happened if that if that's fair to say many people have said that yeah. um and, you know it's what was good about it was the way that i handled it that's what turned it, you know, the shark attack was horrific. It was terrible. It nearly killed me. But I guess all the years in the military and the, the rough time I had growing up forged me into a person that could deal with that sort of tragedy and turn it into something that has truly become an amazing life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So speaking of an amazing life, can you give me an update on like, so when I last spoke to you, I think Will Smith had just been with you and you, you guys had, you know, went and visited the sharks. Who are, who are some other people that you have taken down to like play with sharks? The most recent one was probably the scariest as well. Mike Tyson, Iron Mike. Um, he was so terrified of sharks that he threw up before or after every single dive projectile pink spew on the back of the boat. <laughs> He grabbed everything underwater. He was a terrible diver, but he he really was a nice guy. Um, he, he was just very scared. And I got to spend a lot of time with him, talking to him. He's very quiet until you touch on subjects that he's interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, we both like ancient history, spirituality, uh, aliens. Um, and he had his son with him as well. And he was I, I caught him really being a good dad mm. and teaching his son uh, about being a man 
about being honest and being open with your feelings and things like that. So we had a really good time in the Bahamas for a couple of days. So can, let, let me ask you this. So you're taking these huge celebrities, right? Tyson, Smith, um, and they, I would imagine there has to be a certain level of trust or a bond between you and them because they- mm, A massive they, amount massive. of trust. And so how much time typically I mean, is there a formula as far as like how much time you spend with them before you actually do the shark dive? It's like uh, a morning. <laughs> so with with um, with Mike, it was a little bit more than that because he had never dove before. So we started in a swimming pool. We used an animatronic shark in the pool, uh, which was very cool. Um, Will was like a morning like a practice dive but then we introduce them to the sharks in incrementally so we might like ronda rousey we put her in full body chain mail uh for the first dive same with mike um we put mike into a, a cage as well but that's generally one dive and then you go to the bottom with the sharks um and i'm their protector so <laughs> anything happens to them it's my fault and so do you teach them like how to defend yourself, like yeah, what, what exactly. to do and like, what do you do exactly? It's very much like a uh, karate kid, wax on, wax off, you know, paint, painting the fence. Um, you keep your hands away from the, the pointy bits, which is the mouth just underneath. And generally speaking, you don't want to meet uh, a wild animal with aggression because, you know, just like a dog, if it's, if it's barking at you, it's attacking you, you meet it with aggression, it's going to meet you with aggression. So you just want to show that you're a predator as well. And so you just put your hand out, put it on the top of the head or by the nose or on the side um, or behind the jaws and depending on what angle it's coming at you, and you just push it away. It's, it's really that simple. It's just having the confidence to be able to reach out and touch that thousand pound animal that you've grown up thinking and being told by the media that it wants to kill you and touching it and just pushing it away. And so how often do you just push it away and then it decides to come back again? And oh, they always come back because we've got food. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we, we attract them in with bait boxes a lot of the time. With Ronda Rousey, I was actually teaching her to hand feed the bull sharks. So they always come back, but it's you know like tiger sharks, you push away and they'll turn on a dime and come back at you again. So you can't push it away and then turn around and look for another shark you have to keep your eyes on everything all at once and uh, you know that's where the military training comes in handy that uh, operational awareness um, situational awareness awareness but you are constantly moving your head all the time because yep. they can come from any angle and there's usually you know in fiji there was 20 25 of the biggest bull sharks in the world and then 30 or 40 of six other species of shark so when you say like how so how big of a bull shark are we talking um 10 foot 800 pounds and they're very curious and they don't care and so you have to be very vigilant and the and the and the the shark that bit you was a bull shark and you yeah nine foot bull shark um yeah uh, they're the most one of the most unpredictable sharks. They yeah. have more testosterone than an adult bull elephant. Um, they're responsible for a, a lot of a, attacks on humans, so they are the sharks to watch out for. So my my wife and kids just left, and uh, obviously they 
adored meeting you, right? Um, the legend, Paul DeGelder. <laughs> That's some uh, great questions, too. <laughs> they, um, but one of the things that I heard as I was getting this set up was, and, and I'd love for you to repeat it, is how many shark attacks are there roughly a year? And then how many sharks are we killing? So uh, a, approximately seven deaths attributed to shark attacks a year, uh, as opposed to humans killing over 100 million sharks every year. And so when I was just learning about sharks after my shark attack, uh, because the media would come to me for opinions if there was a shark interaction. And so at the necessity of not sounding like a dummy on national television, I thought, I, well, I better be well advised. And so I learned a lot about sharks. And the more I learned, the more I re realized how little we have to fear of them and how much they actually have to fear of us. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike Tyson, Will Smith, Ronda Rousey. Ronda, and, and for people who don't know, who is who is Ronda, Ronda? Rousey's um, world famer uh, UFC fighter turned WWE champion, uh, um, judo, I think judo uh, Olympic champion, um, amazing, amazing woman. Um, Jason Statham, Blake Lively. What was uh, what was Jason like? Uh, he was lovely. He, he well, I was interviewing him and some other members for the launch of the movie the meg oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so he's uh i was in my dressing room he was in his and his uh, assistant came running in and said paul paul can, can you come into jason's dressing room he really wants to show you his shark videos so i'm like oh yeah of course you know like oh g'day mate you know he's english um and he's like oh check this out you know i was just diving with sharks before the movie and he showed me i'm like oh that's really cool man and so i whipped out my phone and i showed him me diving with four great white sharks at 110 feet and he just looked at me like what <laughs> who are you uh, so yeah nice guy um everyone every celebrity i've worked with generally has been pretty lovely um, yeah it's a bunch yeah. of comedians we had five uh comedians anthony anderson joel McHale, rob riggle damon waynes jr and uh, adam divine all on one shoot um trying to control them underwater <laughs> was like hurting mosquitoes they're just um, comedians are uncontrollable and so but we had a we had a great time and so when was the last what was the last episode that you've done since like covid hit um mike Ty the mike tyson show we shot in june just before shark week aired so uh you know there's it's a lot of restrictions on filming so we haven't really been able to do anything and i'm about to go on my first one for this year so I usually do about three new shows for Shark Week a year. So I've got the first one uh, coming up in Australia. I've got to head back next week and then uh, two more to come. And so you were telling the kids and me about a time that you you got um, basically, was it they blew up the boat or something? <laughs> yeah. Where, and you were in the water for 44 hours straight? Yeah. yeah that Can you was, tell me about that? Because that sounds like a crazy adventure. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, the, the production company came to us and said, hey, we want to do this show where we show people how to survive if their boats 
go down in the ocean. Um, also, we want to talk about shark conservation. And it was uh, a replication of the biggest shark attack in history when the USS Indianapolis was sunken in the Philippine Sea and hundreds of soldiers were apparently killed by oceanic white-tip sharks. They call them the wolves of the sea. And so we couldn't do it in the Philippines because... Um, Commercial fishing has decimated the populations of sharks there, and we wouldn't get any sharks, uh, as opposed to you know the hundreds that turned up when the ship went down. So we did it in the Bahamas. They blew up our boat, and we had to bail out and survive in the ocean for 44 hours. Then they wanted to do it again in the South Pacific to uh, show what the fighter pilots had to go through when they were shot down by the Japanese. Uh, George W. Bush was shot down there and spent a couple of days in the ocean. So we had to parachute out of a notionally crashing plane directly into the ocean and do another 44 hours drifting through the ocean with no food, no water, surrounded by sharks. So the first time you did it, were there any points in time when you're like, I never want to do this again? This is The whole time. Yeah, I don't like survival shows. I don't want it. It's horrible. I'm, I get hangry. I get cranky. I had a pee, pee rash all over my body from peeing in my wetsuit. Um, it's just miserable. The worst part is... Why do you have to wear a wetsuit? Because uh, it, it, just in case you get cold. It also keeps you buoyant. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can kind of float a little bit. Uh, we had fins as well. So you never stop kicking your legs the whole time. Um, but the, entering the second night, knowing that the sun's going down... The sharks are coming out to hunt again and you're going to go through eight hours of pitch black where you can't do anything. You can't sleep. You can't see anything. The sharks are around. It's horrible. And so then I did it again in the next, the next year like an idiot. Did you do it the next year with the same, the same, same guy, same production company? Yeah. And um, so we had, we had safety boats, but they weren't anywhere near us. You know, a shark can bite you in the blink of an eye. This boat was hundreds of feet away. Um, so there was nothing they could have done to help us whatsoever. They lost us a couple of times uh, in the swell. So how, how, so how much over the course of those 44 hours did you feel like you had to call upon your training that you went through, you know, and the whole, you know, improvise, adapt, overcome? I mean, was that like, was that one of the reasons oh, yeah. you made it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I'm doing it with one prosthetic leg and an arm that has a hook on the end. And so anything that you need to use two hands for, um, any like little finicky things like untying yourself from ropes and stuff like that. You know, I had to, the second night of the second show, I, ne I needed to poop. Yeah. There was like the first year I didn't poop the whole time, 44 hours. And so I went into the second year thinking, oh, this is okay. My body's going to go into survival mode. I went second night I needed to poop and it was big swell and it was pitch black and I have one hand. And I was bouncing around in the ocean trying to cut a hole in my wetsuit bum so I could poop without cutting a hole in my actual bum. <laughs> and so that was very hard. Um, but improvise, adapt, overcome, it comes into my everyday life all of the time because we all face hurdles, normal things. Um, and so I have to call on that all the time. Um, it's a, a very, very important lesson to learn that and patience and perseverance. How much were you communicating with your buddy during this whole 44-hour period? I mean... Well, we're on camera, so we have to talk, you oh, know. Yeah, that, yeah. That's probably the hardest thing, like being motivated enough and not pissed off enough to talk to the camera, talk to each other. And I'm very 
bad at hiding my feelings and my emotions and so i got cranky with him a lot that's probably fine though i mean that's they probably want to see the authentic, they do. authenticity of they do that. that's a lot of people that's their favorite parts where i'm getting pissed off yeah yeah <laughs> i can't believe i i gotta go see it i mean i i, I haven't it's seen called it, shark wrecked so. um so discovery <clears throat> just launched their own platform their own app called discovery plus so you've never been able to watch shark week outside of that one week a year and now you can watch it on demand so it's it's Shark Week every week, and are you? Uh, what's so? You, is your contract? Are you doing this for another year or two? Or they just renewed it. I've been doing it for. I've done I think eighteen shows now. Uh, they've just renewed my contract for another two to four years. So I'm going to stay in out America, living out here. Maybe I'll move to Austin. I don't know. Come and annoy you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so I've got another two years three shows a year mm-hmm. uh, and then all the other superfluous stuff that comes along with it um, just random shows and, and photo shoots and yep. adventures you know we were talking about this on the car over here, car ride over here but you have in my opinion become one of the premier keynote speakers thank you um and uh, i think it just kind of motivating people and letting them yeah. know that you know you know you can do really anything um and that has basically with with covid kind of been wiped out and doing a zoom is not the same right yeah webex zoom yeah. Yeah, i don't virtual conferences it's not it's not the same it's not fun i don't enjoy it but um i get i you know i, I get paid good money to do it and so i do you know yeah. i believe in doing your best in everything that you do so i try my best but not having that connection to my audi- audience and being able to see them and feel their energy and taking them on this journey with me with all the laughs and the tears and people passing out <laughs> <laughs> um you know i don't i don't enjoy it but you know, i i I still got to get the message out there. I still got to, people are struggling more now than ever. And so I feel like it's my duty to motivate and inspire and uplift people and let them know that it's going to be okay. We're stronger than we believe. If you or someone you know has been affected by heart disease, I want to invite you to join me for a free educational event called Make Yourself Heart Attack Proof. It's on Thursday, March 18th from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This virtual event will be the first in a series of new educational touch points aptly named RIPS Rescue. In each of these accelerated programs, I'll be laser focused on one topic at a time, connecting you with medical luminaries who are going to provide insight and actionable steps that you can take today. Today, that's going to stop the progression of all of these chronic Western diseases. In this first event, you'll hear from cardiologist, Dr. Brian Aspill, plus my father, Dr. Cobble B. Esselstyn Jr., my mother, Ann Kryle Esselstyn, and a longtime patient of my father's, Jim McNamara. All are coming together to help make you heart attack proof. As firefighters, we're trained to be first responders to any emergency. Now, I wanna be your first line of defense. I want to help you rescue yourself from all of these chronic diseases, one paper tiger at a time. Visit the show notes to register or go to plantstrongpodcast.com and click the link inside this week's episode. We want absolutely everyone to know that heart disease can be prevented. It can be stopped in its tracks. And you, yes, you can make yourself heart attack proof. I hope you'll join us. March 18th.
And one other insider note for our podcast listeners, we're about to open our Rescue 10X Mindset Mastery Program to those who are on the wait list. This program only is offered a few times a year and gives people who need it 10 weeks of group coaching, accountability, and support. If you've tried absolutely everything but can't stay on track with a plant strong lifestyle, this program is for you. If you want to finally jump off the cycle of yo-yo dieting and get yourself in the mindset for success, I want to invite you to check out the program. Go to rescue10x.com. That's the number 10 followed by the letter X and enter your phone number. We'll then text you a VIP discount code as soon as the program opens. Don't miss out. Visit rescue10x.com or click the link in the show notes today. I'd love for you to share a little bit about that whole improvise, adapt, overcome, especially over the last year. You know, some people are, are struggling mightily. Depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, alcohol, abuse. Some people are thriving. Mm. And um, I, I'd love for you to talk about maybe how it's been for you and then any advice that you would give for people right now that are maybe having a hard time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it has been very hard for a lot of people. Uh, I found that routine was very helpful. Um, I, I go to bed early. I get up early before the sun's up, um, sometimes 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, and I, I get out and I go, you like, they haven't shut down nature. You know, <laughs> right. They shut down some of the trails for a while, but you can still go out and get into the wilds and reconnect with nature and ground yourself. And I find that helps a lot because we spend so much time looking at our phones and on our computers and looking at TV. And, and so we forget that we're not part of that. We're not technology we're part of nature and we need to reconnect to that um go and sit by a tree and practice meditation learn to meditate it's not that hard you just sit down and breathe and think of one thing <laughs> it's, it's but also don't feel bad about feeling bad and don't get discouraged if you screw up mm. um there's a lot of that people you know do one thing wrong or get on you know they might start drinking all week and they just go down the rabbit hole don't don't feel bad about that. It's okay. We all screw up. We all don't stay on track a lot of the time. But pull yourself together. Give yourself a, a mental uppercut, a kick in the ass, pull your socks up and go, okay, enough is enough. Now I'm going to get back to who I'm supposed to be. And, um, some people have lost jobs. and So you, you have to pivot. You have to recreate yourself, recreate your mind, recreate your drive, practice your motivation practice your happiness you know, mm. these are things that people forget they're just not they're not there all the time when you call on them but you get better at everything you practice you know, as much as i just said don't stop looking at your phone you know we're not technology it can be a great source of motivation and inspiration it can be a driver listen to an anthony robbins motivational talk mm -hmm. um you know, uh, there's motivational apps, there's meditational teaching apps, there's inspiring people on Instagram. Uh, people talk a lot of crap on social media. I have learned to use it for the right reasons. And before I go to the gym, I'll look up a workout, you know, keep it fresh. I'll mm -hmm. check out a, a really inspiring bodybuilder and find some new ways to work my chest or 
do curls or some something silly like that but that makes me feel good it motivates me inspires me i go and get a sweat on workout practice my push-ups uh and live you know that's what we're supposed to be doing here we are we are aren't we yeah who who is somebody recently that has inspired you um a lot of my my friends actually inspire me people were people like um Christina Zanato, uh, Jamin Martinelli, two wonderful, amazing women that work in shark conservation. Mm. Uh, they're often called shark whisperers. They, they go diving with some of the biggest, scariest sharks in the world. They're tiny little girls. And they'll remove fish hooks from the mouths of sharks with their hands. Mm. You know, people like that inspire me and drive me to um, be better with the conservation work that I'm doing. Um, groups like Fort Ocean that are doing great conservation work. My friends, the ex-Marines that do uh, recycle for veterans and they bring uh, veterans together to be part of a, you know, a club again, a team again that you lose when you leave the military and they go out and do beach cleanups. You know, amazing people like that. That's what inspires me. People doing small things consistently to make the world a better place. Yeah. What's... Uh is there something in the last, I don't know, I'll just say six months that you've struggled with, that you've had a hard time with? Nothing I've really struggled with. Um, home workouts. Oh, God. Yeah. Two months in, it was just, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, <laughs> and so that was a real struggle. Uh, now, so I have a studio apartment in LA. It's not a big one. It's, it's like a one bedroom without a door. The main features are my rower, my treadmill, and my ski erg that I've, and my adjustable dumbbells that I've accumulated over the last year so I can um, make working out fun at home. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I, as they always say, you'll never regret investing yourself. So this is season three. Season three, our, our focus is on Galileo moments. So when you had that Galileo moment where you kind of looked through the telescope and you saw what to you was the truth. And what I'm referring to here is, so, you know, I know all about your amazing work with shark conservation and the host of Shark Week, but one of the reasons why I also really connect with you is because you're plant-based, mm, right? And mm. I don't know if you use the term plant-based or vegan or if you have a term. But don't care. You okay, don't yeah. care. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I love plant strong. Those that care don't matter and those that matter don't care. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm just vegan, plant-based, whatever. Um, but if you could, and I think we, we talked about this on the first podcast, but I'd love to revisit it. Mm. So what was it that that allowed you to see for the first time, you know what, this is a lifestyle that I'm interested in. This, you know, not not eating animals. Was it, was there somebody or something? Damien Manda. Damien Mander. You know who Damien is. I, I, I do. For people that don't, which could you tell us? He is, uh, we had the same job in the Navy. He was a clearance diver in Australia, became a special forces sniper and then a private military contractor, something like 12, 11 or 12 um, tours in Iraq, teaching the Iraqi military. And then he went to Africa on leave and went on safari and saw a rhino with its face hacked off. And it touched a part of his soul that he couldn't change. And he decided that this was his new calling. He was going to use all of the skills that he developed through the military to try and save these amazing animals in Africa. And he moved to Africa, started the International Anti-Poaching Foundation, and began to train the rangers as a paramilitary group. And I was fortunate enough to go there and live and work with him and his rangers for a few weeks 
and learn how the, they do their job. It was incredible. Man. They gave me a five-minute lesson on how to handle a snake, gave me a deadly black mamba, like crazy stuff. And so Damien is a huge man, huge hulking 6'2", I think, yep. big, big um, burly dude. And he was eating from a separate pot to his rangers. And so I thought, oh, this guy is saving the good meat for himself. I'm like, what a dick. Um, so I pulled him up. I'm like, bro, what, what's with the separate pot? And he took me totally by surprise and said, I don't eat meat. <clears throat> and that befuddled me. And I was like, why? I'm vegan. What's that? <laughs> I had no idea. I'd heard of vegetarians, and, but I, I never really come across the term. And he's like, well, look, I don't eat meat. And I said, why? Well, like what you don't he didn't strike me as the tree hugging plant eating hippie uh and he said well look i was existing out here in africa to save these animals and then i was going home and i was eating the animals and i felt like a hypocrite mm -hmm. and that struck a chord with me because i dislike hypocrites very much because they were always the worst leaders in the military and so i thought long and hard about that i went home and went vegan for two days and I, and I got hungry and I didn't know what to eat. And it went away for a bit. And, but it, it kept popping up. It just, the universe speaks to you. And if you're willing to listen, it can guide you to the person that you're meant to be. Mm. And I listened. Kept popping up. Uh, friends like John Joseph, who you know well as well. Um, other friends of mine like Ian Norrington, uh, old school London gangster. Six foot three, covered in tattoos, hard man. You can right here, doesn't he? Nothing about tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He's got tattoos everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's a celebrity bodyguard. And he got in touch with me as well. And it just kept coming up and coming up. And then What the Health came out. And I'm like, all right, I got, I got to do something here. And so I, I did it slowly. I did it right. And um, I would never go back. I love the lifestyle. I love feeling good in my soul. You know? And that was four years ago? Four years ago. Roughly? Yeah. And so you had already started your shark conservation work right mm -hmm, yeah so i think i find it pretty neat that you and and damien basically are both doing conservation work you know you you in the oceans with the sharks and him on the land with the uh, you know the rhinos and the elephants mm -hmm. and stuff like that yeah he's is guys... a little more heavily involved than mine is like literally living in the jungle yeah. and like living this living and breathing it investing all of his money and all of his heart and soul into it you know um Mine, I could, I do whatever I can. Whenever I'm asked to help, I do my best to help. I do the shows to teach people about sharks, to try and change their perception about these animals. Um, so, you know, Steve Owen said, um, if you can make people fall in love with something, they'll want to protect it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to make everyone fall in love with these animals that I really, really love. Yeah. It's funny how many, how uh, the perception of sharks um and and the amount of just inherent fear that most people have of them um it's a tall you got a tall order there oh yeah but the the great thing is i understand because i was petrified of sharks i hated them i thought you know previous to my shark attack in the navy because i was spending so much time diving i thought if we just killed them all we didn't have to worry about them but it's it's ignorance you know we i didn't know anything about mm -hmm. them uh and it wasn't until after the shark attack I had the opportunity to learn and and really understand the plight. They you know they they don't 
populate quickly because they're slow to mature, they're slow to um, breed, they don't have that many pups a lot of the time and so we're incrementally wiping them out and it's really, really sad to see that we as humans, as the protectors of this realm, would just destroy our homes and destroy mm. these amazing animals you know we spend billions of dollars going to space and looking for life on other planets while we destroy the life on our own planet and i think that's once again very very hypocritical we can't be perfect i don't think anyone anyone that's plant-based expects yeah. that it's about it's about progression yeah. not perfection yeah you know, as long as we keep striving to do better and protect these animals and these, we have the most incredible life on this planet. Amazing things. When I go into the ocean, I feel like I'm in space mm. and I'm an astronaut. There are the most weird and wonderful creatures down there. You're totally encompassed in nature and it's so serene and it's so beautiful. I just, I don't want it to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I would ask you this. I mean, would you say that, like the Great the Great Barrier Reef, right? I mean, hasn't it kind of been destroyed? It is being destroyed. Um, is, it, is there any way it can come back? Is it too late? I think I think it can come back, but we need to make changes in our lives. Uh, you know, this they I think they said fifty percent of it was dying from coral bleaching. Yeah, and that's coming from apparently uh, warming ocean temperatures from chemicals being pumped into the ocean. You know, the animal agriculture industry is creating dead zones um, in the riverways and the entrances to the ocean. So, you know, as you and I know, the more people move away from supporting the industry that creates suffering and torture and destruction of our planet, the better off we'll be. The, the easiest thing you can do to make a difference in the world is stop eating animal products. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> Do it. I, I, I want to ask you this because um, I, I loved your, your your answer that you just gave to uh, my wife and kids, and that was after you spoke at Plant Stock, mm -hmm. 2019, standing ovation. Um, I asked you a few questions, and a couple of people came up to me and said, "You know, why does Paul continually?" put himself in the line of fire and and like you know and and continually up the ante he's putting himself in, in a no-win position and uh and i said something like aren't, aren't you afraid of dying and what can you remember your answer yeah absolutely because it's it's you know it's something i firmly believe uh once you get past that fear of death life becomes so much more refreshing and free Going to your death, take it from someone who has, <laughs> you know, been within inches of death in the most violent of horrific ways. Death isn't scary. Going to your death with regrets and missed opportunities and a life that you didn't live that you dreamed for yourself, that is worth your fear because that's the last thing you're going to be thinking about. And what is the thing? So, you know, my... My, my daughter is we're afraid of snakes we're afraid of this and that what are we afraid of well you know it stems from a fear of death yeah. you know your daughter's scared of moths but <laughs> you know 
they get in your hair, they, you know, <laughs> slugs are slimy. So it's not a real fear. Yeah. You know, the fear is people are afraid of heights because they don't want to fall and they don't want to die. They're afraid of sharks because they don't want to get eaten, they don't want to die. So our fear stems from death. And if you can get past that and realize that death isn't scary, just live your life and then you you don't have to worry about that. Um, but it's it's very hard for people to understand who haven't come to that. And there's a saying, I'm probably going to destroy it, but it's yeah. basically for those that have tasted death, life has a flavor that others will never understand. Mm-hmm. So if, if you were within inches of death and you found it not to be scary, what did you find it to be? Calming. Yeah. Um, and it, like how so? Just like. I, well, I let go. I let go and I was just willing. I was waiting to drift off. The The shark had me by the leg and the hand. It was tearing me apart. I was in agony for the first few seconds. Uh, then it soared through my um, my nerves. And so all I could feel was my whole body just getting tossed around. And I thought to myself, I'm not going home today. I'm going to die right now. And I thought to myself, am I ready to die? And I looked back on my life to what it had started out as a lost, depressed, self-harming kid that was getting bullied and picked on that had no direction to the elite of the Navy and doing a job I never could have dreamed and having experiences I could never have fathomed for myself. And I, I thought I've lived 10 lives in these 31 years. If I'm going to die, I'm ready to go. And so I let go. The pain went away just was waiting just to go and that was when the shark ripped out my hamstring and ripped off my hand and i popped to the surface and went oh my god i'm not dead better get out of here before it comes back and so i started swimming back to the boat with one hand and one leg through a pool of my own blood just expecting to die but fortunately we have very good first aid training and my buddies kept me alive you know I, i i i look at your your physique your body now and it's it to me it's much different than when you were that probably that person or that diver. I mean, you're much more muscular. You're you're, oh, uh, you're yeah. bigger. You're, it seems like you're yeah. stronger. I'm a, I'm a little unfit at the moment because uh, visiting Austin and my friends are making me drink beer all week. You know, I don't hate it, but um, yeah, uh, in the army, there's photos of me in the army before I deployed with the UN as a peacekeeper. I look like a prisoner of war. Yeah, I look skeleton but I could run forever, swim forever, pack march forever. I had the battalion record for push-ups to 136 push-ups in two minutes um but then i got to the navy and i got fitter but we were doing a lot of cardio you you get starved when you're in the army because you're out in the bush all the time but now i don't have to worry about that i eat and the one thing i love about being plant-based or vegan is i can eat so much food and i don't get fat and i was always concerned you know in the beginning about going plant-based that i'd lose all that hard fought muscle because i don't gain it very easily i have to fight for every ounce of muscle and i was very scared i was going to lose lose my gains lose my gains bro um but i didn't and i worked it out it's not that complicated eat lots of food lift heavy weights up and down it's very simple yeah well it's more than that i mean you are like you are cut you're ripped you are well you you are i wish you do remember I, i did an instagram uh, post where I think I was diving into a, oh it's one of these huge Kent mangoes 
Oh, yeah. And I said, this is the size of one of Paul DeGelder's <laughs> biceps. And I think I said, Jesse Itzler's head. And uh, anyway, it got, a, it got a fun response. Yeah, well, look, <laughs> man, I, I, don't, I don't do it for the muscles. Obviously, that helps. Um, uh, makes you look good. You look better in your club. But it's, that's my therapy, man. Yeah. I, I do it because that's my time in my head. And I get a lot of people asking me, you know, I'm coming out to LA. Can I come work out with you? Nope. Like, oh, what? You know, people need to find the, their power of no. Uh, people are very, you know, eager to please. Then they'll go out of their way to do things that they don't want to do. It's okay to say no. You know, don't be a dick about it and help people out, obviously. But no, I don't want to work. I don't, I don't work out with people mm-hmm. because that is my time. That is my therapy. I put on my music. I get in my own head and I lift my, it's simple. I just lift heavy things up and down and I work out and I sweat and I torture my body and that makes me feel good. Like I've achieved something and you know, I, I really, really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like speaking. Mm-hmm. Speaking and lifting weights are my therapy. Yep. How often do you like to lift? Ideally. Oh, I go every day. I go twice a day if I could, but I have an old body from uh, 12 years of... Uh, army airborne and navy clearance diving and i would just kill myself yeah things hurt a lot more now but but in saying that i haven't had a serious injury since i went plant-based since i went vegan no one i used to get really bad tendonitis in my elbows from cocking machine guns and climbing ropes uh shoulder injuries back injuries knee injuries i haven't had a single bad lingering injury since i went Mm plant-based i heal quicker um I, I just I don't it's weed are you are you single right now like for women out there that are like you know going, man I would, I would love to like you know meet Paul DeGelder is uh, are you available or no uh, yes yes I am uh, yep. uh, got out of a relationship a little while ago um, lovely girl just you know yep. sometimes it's just not right yep. um, and I don't mind being alone yeah you know I like my own company with my dog and um yeah, I'm I'm single. Okay. I'm I'm open to a relationship. Yep. So let me ask you one more thing before we uh before I say goodbye. And, and that is so you're I know you're going back to Australia here soon. Mm-hmm. Is there anything on the horizon that you're like most excited about right now? The the book coming out. Okay. Um so the new edition of the book. Uh so I released a book with Penguin uh in 2012 did really well um i'm so happy with it but it never got released in america and uh they sold out and penguin just decided they weren't reprinting it and so i wanted to share the stories that i have uh and the messages with people of my new country where i live in america and so i rewrote the whole story with a a friend of mine a a veteran who is an incredible writer he's a uh, was a ghostwriter for james patterson got a bunch of his own books called uh garant jones is his name uh, runs a veteran state of mind podcast so he helped me rewrite the first part and then 2012 to 2021 i have all of these amazing documentary stories about catching crocodiles and diving with great whites without a cage and trying not to die and you know cutting holes in my bum of my wetsuit <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so I'm, I'm re-releasing that probably around my birthday end of march uh it's called uncaged uh, should be available everywhere you find books Fantastic. 
Um, and for people that want to follow you on uh, Instagram or whatever, yeah. what's, what's your Most, handle? Mostly on Instagram. It's just my name, Paul DeGelder. Paul DeGelder. Yeah, if you forget that, you can just Google Navy Diver Shark Attack. I'm the only one in the world, apparently. Got it. <laughs> well, Paul, uh, this has been great. Run India in Austin, Texas. Yeah, Had thanks a, for lunch. Yeah, yeah. Lunch was great. And uh, anytime you want to come back, let me know. Be happy to, to host you either here or at the house. Cool, man. Um, I'm down. Hey, yeah. summer out here is incredible on the river and the lakes. They are. Mm. It's great. Um, all right, man. Hey, peace. Cheers, dude. Engine two, keep it plan strong. I want to repeat a shocking fact Paul mentioned early in the episode. There are, on average, about seven, count them, seven shark attacks each year. But humans kill approximately 100 million sharks. That is staggering. We can do better, and thanks to people like Paul DeGelder, we're learning how we can embrace the power of change for good. So whether you're afraid of sharks or lifestyle change, or even your own mortality, we hope you'll be inspired by Paul DeGelder's story. Next week, we tackle health and mortality head-on with cardiologist Dr. Brian Aspill. Thank you for listening to the Plant Strong Podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the great news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything to me. Have you had your own Galileo moment that you'd like to share? What happened when you stepped into the arena and shed the beliefs that you thought to be true? I'd love to hear about it. Visit plantstrongpodcast.com to submit your story and to learn more about today's guests and sponsors. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.